Hello, Beth and Grills here and welcome to the Food Manufacturer Podcast, the show where we discuss everything related to food and drink production. I may be a new voice for some of you, but I hope that as time goes on, my tones will become as familiar as the voice of my colleague and co-host Gwen Riddler. Hello, Gwen. Good afternoon, Bethan. Good afternoon. So, Gwen, as this is the first podcast of the new year, I thought it was only right that we start by talking about resolutions. The question is, did you set yourself any? Uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, no. Um, unfortunately, the the climate of the world um, makes a lot of time to look uh, less introspectively and worry more about the outside world than what I'm doing. So um, though I guess if I was to set any kind of... Um, any kind of resolution for this year is to be more mindful of what's happening around me uh, because of what has happened in the last couple of years. That was so much deeper than I expected. I like expected something like, you know, yeah, I've, I've quit biting my nails or something. I don't know if that's something you do, but um, well, I don't want to carry on <laughs> with this because I don't think I, I can come up with anything so profound. But I think that's a great resolution. Be more mindful. I have started yoga, actually, quite well, recently. There's a bit of mindfulness there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as it's a new year, what better timing to shake up the podcast, I think. So, you know, look forward to more regular episodes and much more of us two as well, you lucky things. And we're starting with an episode on Minecraft. Not quite mindfulness, but there is, you know, similar similarities there. And you may be wondering what on earth that has to do with food. Well, you better keep listening to find out. But first, Gwen... I am not really familiar with with Minecraft. I have seen, you know, some pictures of kind of like blocky looking characters. Can you tell me and also the listeners, what on earth is it? So in real world terms, uh, Minecraft is the biggest video game that has ever been created. Um, Has outsold every other video game from your Mario's to your Tetris's. Uh, and is played by millions upon millions of people across the world. Uh, to look at and to describe it, it's kind of like digital Lego. Uh, you, you are presented with a world that is made up of blocks okay. uh, that allows you to uh, use the tools within to either build and create your own worlds, because you can take it apart block by block, um, but you can also play it like a survival game where you, um, you can build your own, well, you mine, um, mine rocks and minerals like you would do uh, in real life. But so, go- so as a grills, I should definitely get on this. You know, like you know, yes. survival, Beth and grills, survival it's, it's of in mine. Your blood it is in my blood, so. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and do you know, I think it's a bit better because I'm not particularly the most outdoorsiest of people. So, I think I could definitely jump on this. Granted, it's not quite as outdoorsy as going outdoors, um, <laughs> but one of the uh, key things is also um, that. Um, there are ways that you can use Minecraft. There are systems built in that allow you to, to do things like grow your own food or you can even make your own factories inside of the game. And it's all presented in a way that um, can be used for both gameplay reasons, having fun, but also can be quite educational as it teaches you, you know, ways that systems work and you can even use the system inside of it to program things as if it was in a computer as well. Wow, is it complicated to use? 
Uh, depending, depending. Um, but there's lots and lots of tutorials available online nowadays that allow you to very easily jump into these sort of things. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I mean, you know, if you if you're younger, I mean, not stereotyping here, but I, I when I was younger, I could pick up technology so much easier. I mean, now, um, yeah, you know, into the third decade, finding it a bit more complicated to pick up things. But you know, maybe I'll give it a go. And you speak with Skills Miner for this interview that we're about to hear, and they've done some interesting stuff with this game, hence the title. Um, so, what is it that they've they've done? Well, using the tools within, um, like I said, you can use um, the systems to replicate things like factories and farms. And what they've done, and they've uh, teamed up with uh, vertical farming company Farm Urban to um, recreate a, a vertical farm. They task um, players with create, um, uh, reformatting a abandoned, an abandoned warehouse and turning it into a vertical farm in the, in the heart of a city, uh, just like the company has themselves. And yeah, and teaching younger people that they can. Um, it's how easy it is to get into a food and drink career uh, by gamifying the process, you know, making it not just something that they have to learn about and sit through, but actually something that they can interact with um, and feel like they've accomplished something because they've built something inside of the game that can essentially be that, you know, they, it's transferable skills from those games into real life. That is incredibly cool. And as someone who um, did jump on the Farmville, do you remember that game, Bandwagon? I can imagine really, really enjoying this. Um, and I can imagine it being quite popular as well because you've got games like Animal Crossing where, you, you know, you can sort of farm for crops and everything. And it sounds like this is going a kind of a, a step further well, it's, it's taking that idea of something that's, you know, uh, you, it's those sort of mundane tasks that when you're playing in the game, you don't really think about it because you're playing a game. But then you can literally go, oh, I've learned how to do that in the game. Yeah. I can now literally take that same skill and put it into practice in the real world. Yeah. Um, and that's what they aim to do for this. I was thinking how crafty games are the other day, actually, because my giant cat, Mr. Marshmallow, uh, and I have a point here, it's relevant, um, managed to tip over I don't, an entire box of chia seeds, right? Um, never have I sounded so middle class. An entire box of chia seeds. And I was hoovering them up because they, they just got everywhere. And I was thinking, oh, this is really, really annoying. You know, I can't believe this happened. It's making me late for work. All of this. Anyway, and I thought, if this was a game, I bet I would, you know, on my like, phone, I bet I'd be really enjoying this. I hoover up the chia seeds. And that's all I could think of. And I just thought, just... You know, gamifying something is such a clever idea of getting people to enjoy something that they wouldn't necessarily do. And also, as you said, learn about something that they wouldn't necessarily come across. Obviously, my hoovering experience wasn't very educational, apart <laughs> from maybe don't place the chia seeds on that particular shelf. Right, well, should we have a listen to the interview, Gwen? Let's fire it up. Thanks. Okay, so yeah, I'm Helena Vaughan-Smith. I'm the Senior Product Manager at Ingenuity. Uh, so it's my job to look after a few different um, sort of streams of activity, if you like, but uh, the one we're talking about today is our Enspire platform. So we have lots of things there around outreach. We're really looking at um, supporting teachers to connect with young people. Um, and we try and do that through creating engaging resources that, that kids 
love and are familiar with. So uh, we've created games in Minecraft called Skills Miner. And that's what we're talking about today. So our latest suite of games is around vertical farming. And that's where I've been working with with Paul and having a great time. So I'll hand over to you, Paul. Thanks, Anna. Uh, so, so my name is Paul Myers and I'm uh, the MD and co-founder of uh, Farm Urban. So we're a vertical farming company based up in Liverpool. Um, but we do vertical farming slightly differently in that we embed it into the fabric of society. So, so we try to be hyper-local in using um, underused or disused spaces in urban environments um, and alongside the actual food production, uh, education, outreach and engagement is kind of being core to our business right from our inception in 2013. So really looking for ways to, to engage people of, of all ages. So we work from primary to pensioner age groups um, and um, I can't actually remember how we got introduced to, to Helena, but the project and, and helping them develop the game has been just an absolute joy for us, um, helping to kind of see what we do, be be gamified and, and turn into um, something that, that the young people really kind of want to engage with and play with and, and learn a lot along the way. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so I guess the next real question then um, is what is Skills Miner? And in what way has it helped you, you know, teach children about vertical farming, but also uh, how have you used Skills Miner in the past as well to sort of outreach, to explain the uh, sort of engineering principles and whatnot to children? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, we started out around, so I think end of 2019, I, I joined Ingenuity and we would start to work on on skills minor as a sort of pilot concept and trying to think about how we could um, go somewhere that children already are that you know they enjoy being in that uh, you're not sort of starting with that uh, we're teaching you something now you know they're, they're just going in and they're playing a game and the idea really was to see if we could identify skills in those people that they maybe couldn't see themselves and sort of play them back to them so then uh you might have heard of COVID. So like March 2020, uh, we we were thought we need to we need to get this out there actually because we've got a lot of people who are at home at the moment who have got an opportunity maybe to um, to to play this. But um, I guess also just to do some you know to to have fun with something because it was a bit of a bit of a dark time. So um, we released our first game, which was around um, automotive engineering, and it went really well. But we learned a lot in that that first. Um, iteration of the game so that that game was in the Java and Bedrock editions so there is a license fee to pay for that one and it's available over the whole world um, so we were finding we were, we were actually getting people playing the game all over the world um, which is great but probably not the market we were looking at we really wanted to be encouraging UK children into UK careers so uh, did a little bit of work on that and then we thought I think the right thing to do is for us to focus on the education edition of, of Minecraft so that way teachers who obviously have access to those those young people and can bring out all of that learning outcome sort of stuff and ask the questions at the perfect time of those children could really sort of reinforce the learning so we sort of felt like that was the right route then for us to access as many children as possible and it's also free then for the child which is the important thing we wanted to make sure everyone could play this game and not just somebody who had 1750 for a minecraft license so that was very much why we went down that that route so our first game then was around aerospace and, and we partnered with somebody who helped us with that um, and we set up an industry advisory group 
and focused very much on the future of flights. So it was around um, sustainability, so sustainable fuels, but also the kind of digital skills and coding skills that young people will, will need. So we're trying to find out, you know, not what they need right now, but like 10 years when they're going to go and maybe have this job. What, do they, what does that industry need? So it's quite a lot of sort of foresighting and horizon scanning, I guess. Um, so again, we learned a lot from that and launched our home energy game next around COP26. So this is about retrofitting a, a property with um, green technologies. So um, that one landed really nicely. I really enjoyed working on that one. Um, and it was different because we didn't have a client. So it was we felt that like we had quite a lot of sort of creative um, freedom, I suppose, in that sense, which was which was enjoyable. And I think it must have been around that time actually was when we met Skills Builder. So Skills Builder were the people that introduced us to, to wow. you, Paul, if you remember. So it's Alicia to thank for that. Um, so Skills Builder have created an essential skills framework. So kind of like Paul was talking about with that cradle to grave sort of thinking, they've done the same around the essential skills that we will all need in life, for, you know, from, from baby to pensioner. So um, there are things around uh, you know, communication and teamworking and creativity and problem solving. And we have asked them to then independently accredit our games to make sure that we're helping children to gain those skills as they're playing the games as well. And it's what led us then on to really cementing that kind of, we want this to be about green skills, about sustainability, about those jobs that kids are going to want in the future to kind of, you know, really make sure that we can support that, that green revolution. And then that, that's where this relationship was born and why we've started to work on vertical farming with, with Paul. Yeah, um, maybe just to pick up on a few points there that kind of really resonated with us. So um, as part of our, our education outreach programmes, we'd go out to schools in person um, and kind of give a, a, a whole school assembly or talk. And one of the very first questions we used to ask is, hands up who's ever been asked what they want to do? And everyone's hand goes up. And then we'd say, OK, well, hands up who's ever been asked why they want to do that and really try and dig a bit deeper into the drivers and the motivations behind um, what you want to do. Like, what's your why? The kind of Simon Sinek um, concept. And the reason for that is, I think, well, the most recent study we'd seen was that you're not just going to do one job for your career anymore. I think, you know, this generation is going to do seven or eight different jobs and some of those jobs don't even exist yet. So how, as a 14-year-old pupil, do you start to plan for jobs, seven different jobs, and maybe some of them that don't exist? And that's when we really felt that the, the kind of the skills, these broader skills and these bigger questions were much more important and impactful and tried to embed them throughout our programs. Again, working with Skills Builder, um, and then find a way to gamify that to just add that kind of lighter touch just was yeah it was a perfect fit for, for kind of for our content and then and then um you know that accessibility piece in schools excellent well i suppose the next question would be towards you paul as well specifically um, could you explain what your involvement with the project was how was it that you know and how did you um inform the decisions that went into making Skills Minor, you know, how much of Farm Urban is in uh, this iteration of the project? Yeah, yeah, I have a very, very vivid memory of a, of a phone call, which was kind of, um, you know, Helena said, can you sense check 
the kinds of problems and the kinds of roles that, that we think are in vertical farming. And she went through a list of about five or six different um, roles and potential problems that were trying to be solved. And I remember picking the laptop up. I was in the vertical farm at the time and I went round and kind of went through about four of the five roles and um, actual problems. I said, there's Jens, our technical director, who's dealing with a pump malfunction and trying to write some code to, to fix that sensor. And here's Sam, our botanist, trying to think about ways to prevent um, pest outbreaks and, and, and kind of hold them in place. And so it was really just a, a case of sense checking the kind of research that they've done on, on those roles and the types of problems and challenges that we face on a, on a daily basis in a vertical farm. Because I think one of the really interesting and exciting, but also challenging concepts is there is no vertical farming qualification currently. Um, and it really is a very broad uh, and multidisciplinary industry. And, and, you know, we have people from such a broad and diverse range of backgrounds that really bring all of those skills. And um, I suppose that's united by the shared purpose of trying to, you know, grow food more sustainably and then improve people's health and well-being. Um, so, yeah, just sense checking the research that the, the team at Engineers had already done, which which was really fantastic and kind of validating that for them, I, I suppose, was our kind of key role. I think also just, you know, just to add to, to that with Paul is they've just been there really every step of the way with us to keep kind of checking it. And it's very iterative, iterative process, as you can imagine, building a game like this. They're just going back and, and, and checking in with them. Like, I mean, one of the things that we have in there is um, uh, they're growing, they're growing crops, right? Obviously. So um, some of the things that they need to do is they go around and they're collecting potatoes and they're collecting wheat. And then it's like, well, well, that that doesn't work, does it? Because you're not going to be doing potatoes and wheat in a vertical farm. You're going to be doing, you know, in, in Minecraft, you might choose something more appropriate, like say strawberries or chard or, or you know, mm. like, a, like a smaller vegetable, right? So that's the kind of things that it just makes sure that the game has a high degree of sort of credibility and authenticity and that's what we've tried to do with with the games preceding this one too is just to make sure that that attention to detail is really important and, and that's definitely where, where Paul and the team have been really helpful for us. Excellent um, and I suppose this is more of a, a direct question to you Helena um, specifically in the terms of uh, looking at the food and drink manufacturing industry um, do you feel that, you know, uh, skills minor could be expanded to uh, cover more areas of the in of the industry? Um, you know, direct food man you know, manufacturing, um, and more as because you know, obviously we're talking about Minecraft specifically here, but is there space to maybe you know, entice more people, more children? into food and drink by sort of gamifying the process? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So um, when we when we test these games, we um, we survey the children before and after playing the games. And one of the things we ask them about is what other games would you like us to build? And we focus very much on the UN sustainability goals to guide us and to, you know, to guide the children to um, to games that would sort of support those UN sustainability goals. So there are things around, um, you know, reduction in, in poverty, um, you know, renewable energy, um, waste management, um, communities, 
industry. They're around those kinds of things. So we are trying to, I think what I've probably learned since working at Ingenuity is that sort of engineering and everything sort of concept. So previously, perhaps before joining, I would not have made the link between food manufacturing and engineering necessarily, but there's so much around sort of automation and robotics and, and, and everything in there that I think we're trying to sort of maybe move away from things being too industry specific. But like Paul was talking about, thinking skills rather than, than industries, I think is very helpful. Uh, so we're working to build out our platform further now, um, not just around skills minor, but other resources. And exactly as you're talking about, I think what we need to start saying is understand what things interest children and what they're good at and guide them and maybe it is a robotics engineer. Well, what I want to do is then tag that up to so go, look, you could be a robotics engineer. Do you realise that means you could work in these eight industries, one of which is likely to be food and drink, or maybe it's health or whatever. And I think just, yeah, trying to sort of expand our horizons a little bit and realise that those skills are very uh, sort of transitional. Um, so we did some work, um, again, again, around COVID, actually. So we worked with um, the uh, Cell and Gene um, group. So this is all around vaccine manufacturing. And I found that fascinating piece of work because it was just looking at trying to encourage people into vaccine manufacturing who weren't there at the moment and from outside. And some of the, the jobs that matched really well or some of the existing careers that matched really well were not what I would have expected. So there were things like, you know, baker and hairdresser and jobs like that. And once I'd gone through the skills, I could see why that was. But you wouldn't necessarily have immediately made that link. And actually, crucially, neither would the baker or the hairdresser. So it's how do we try and help people to understand that their skills are so important in perhaps another uh, another industry that's in high demand. Of course. And uh, Paul, would you do it again? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping we can. Yeah, I'm, I think I, I said to Helena the other day. I think this is the the start, hopefully, of, of a really kind of mutually beneficial uh, symbiotic relationship. I think what both organisations have got kind of very similar. Um, long-term aims and goals and we're just approaching it in a slightly different way but actually in a really complementary way so yes i would excellent uh is there anything else that you'd like to add anything that i haven't covered or any sort of topics that you think that you know um you know any other insights into both you know, you know um, using games to teach younger people or, or spreading knowledge about you know your industry is there anything else that you wish to sort of share at all I was going to add to, to what Paul said there, I think, around, um, so I, I'm, but the best bit about all of this is just getting to go and, and, and be with the kids at the end and just watch them interacting with the games. And when, when they walk in and they straight away say, Minecraft, you're like, okay, so their interest is straight away, you know, you've already got them. I mean, it's the teachers who are perhaps slightly more nervous because the kids know it better than them. But then once they're in, I think the teachers, you can see them go like, oh, no, it's okay, like, they can do this themselves, they don't need me, you know, but course they do they need them to ask the questions at the right time um but i think what works really nicely with the relationship with farm urban is that sort of the mix of the um the sort of virtual world if you like and then that quite tangible physical one so they can show a living wall or you know bring something you know if there's an atomizer or something like that to help kids to make that connection between those two things so i think that's really important just looking at different learning styles and what works for um different children, what's going to resonate for them. So where some of them, maybe, you know, I think we had 93% of the children want to play things like skills minor again in class, which is great. But for the other 7%, maybe the fact that somebody's come in with something physical, if they're talking about a day in the life of Paul, 
that was the bit that got them. So mm -hmm. I think that's where it works really nicely. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the, as you said, the teachers are a bit nervous. I have to admit, so I've got three, three young children and, you know, the, there's this kind of constant battle around devices and screens and what's appropriate and what's not. But what's been really nice for me is to see the, the impact of children playing a game and actually the, the, the deep, deep learning that takes place through gamification. Um, so that's been lovely for me to see personally. But then I think applied, you know, to our um, content and education programs, often there's, there's, there's kind of a, there's a, there's an initial stage where I think the children are a little bit afraid of kind of, cause we're asking them to do quite complex things like design and build a vertical farming system. And there's so much in that, there's so much knowledge, skills, understanding, learning. And what I think the game does really well is it kind of de-risks it for them and it allows them to go into a safe space and just play. And it's not about, oh, if I cut that metal bar and it's wrong, you know, oh, what will happen then? Because they can, they can kind of get comfortable with the concepts and in the space. And then when they come to the kind of practical challenge of actually doing it, they've got that familiarity and confidence through the game, which I'm, I think will be, yeah, once we do the the kind of impact uh, assessments and, and assess that, you know, incorporate into our programs, I have a sneaking suspicion we'll see that will be very, very beneficial. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, Helena Paul, thank you very, very much uh, for speaking to me today. It's uh, been very insightful and uh, I hope to see more from both you, both sides of both games and obviously the expansion of vertical farming in general uh, in the future. So we heard from some really influential voices at this year's business leaders and, you know, what was one of the key topics there was enticing people into the sector that was raised as a as a key challenge um and i think this is relevant here in this in this you know following on from that interview because one of the things that the room brought up was that we aren't promoting ourselves enough and what i thought was really interesting gwen and i don't know if you found this surprising was that we aren't starting early enough and a lot of people were saying in that room we need to actually start talking about the food sector and the drink sector in primary school you know was that something that you thought oh, I haven't really considered that before you know we're not really talking to children that young about this I mean I don't think it's particularly surprising I mean uh, it's not within recent memory that I can say uh, confidently what I wanted to do when I was in primary school as a career choice um, <laughs> but uh, a, a a career in food and drink definitely wasn't something that was on the table. It was never presented as being the choice that you want to go to because it wasn't becoming a fireman and it wasn't becoming uh, a high-class paid person in a big business. It was seen as being the option that you went to if you had no other choice. Mm. Um, it was equated to working on a factory line. It was equated to minimum wage and you know it was essentially the mcdonald's of the careers choices mm. um and um it just doesn't highlight the fact that there are so many opportunities in the food and drink industry jobs that are you know equivalent to aerospace engineers yeah and, you know th those same jobs exist in food and drink but it's just never 
promoted enough to people uh, or children um, that 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 career is open to them. It was again not something that was ever you know promoted in in primary school as I can recall. I do remember in secondary school we had we did have food tech. I don't know if you had that subject as I an mean, option. The option of food tech was learn how to make scones. It wasn't exactly learn food safety and and things like that. Uh, yeah, and it was quickly dropped as soon as the option was available. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, so it was mandatory, I remember, up until uh, year nine when options, uh, as you said, you know, became available. And I remember um, there was n- there was nothing about food safety, as you said. I think it was maybe very limited, like, you know, clean your knives, um, you know, when you're chopping something. And yeah, I think it was like that basic, uh, you know, which, not being funny, that is useful, but, you know, not to the, the point in which it could be expanded. Um but I remember saying, sitting down with my parents, and they said, "Well, you know, we can we can teach you to cook. You don't need to." And it wasn't ever considered something like, um, you know, the career choices that you can progress into if you go into the industry. It was more a case of if you want to become a chef, or you know, just learn how to cook a bit. Uh, and when I say you know, cook a bit, it was a, it, we didn't even do scones. We did uh, toasties, <laughs> <laughs> which. Yeah, was was very interesting. To be fair, I've cooked more toasties than I have scones in my life. So <laughs> it must be said that that's much more um, relatable and transferable skill. I do remember my mum being horrified when I brought home a prawn cocktail that had melon in it. And she was like, what are they teaching you? Quit this subject immediately. Um, because it wasn't even a food... Our food tech teacher actually left. It was an English teacher that <laughs> taught us food tech. And um, yeah, and I used to bring home all sorts of concoctions and... Um, yeah, I don't think my parents were very happy when I sort of sat there looking expectantly at them to eat it. Um, I don't think I ever witnessed them eating anything, actually, that I brought home. Um, but again, you know, I, I didn't pursue the topic. Never did I anticipate that I would end up in the, the food and drink sector. I mean, I knew that I wanted to, to go into writing, uh, you know, as a, a very young child. And, uh, you know, just sort of ended up um, mm-hmm. within the sector. But it would have been nice to have known about it. And I do agree with the people in that room that we should be promoting it however you know conversely because we have to be balanced about these things the curriculum is very crowded now if you start promoting one subject what do you then start dropping well i don't think it's um it has to be quite that simple because as i say the idea of um engineering roles and um you know analysis roles npd roles all of those roles exist within the design and technology subject. I don't know if it's still called that. It was that 20-odd years ago. Mm. Um, but um, uh, yeah, it's not, it doesn't have to be that we're dropping something for something else. It's a case of including it in the conversation to begin with. Mm. When, so when you go in and you do a, a technology course or you become, an, you know, moving further on, if you become an engineering apprentice... Mm. It's adding to the conversation, you know, in the list of jobs that you can go into. Also, did you know that there's a high paying role for this same position in a food and drink company? Mm. Um, And I just feel that that's just not brought up enough. Interestingly that you said high paying, because that brings me very nicely to the next point. And we we will go back to gaming, I I promise you listeners. But we ran a LinkedIn poll um, as to why our readers thought recruitment was an issue, because we all know that we are experiencing shortages. Um, And we all know that there are, you know, not just shortages in terms of the fact that we've kind of reduced labour because of um, certain things that have happened in government, um, 
but also because we aren't getting people new new recruits in and 37 people in our LinkedIn poll said the reason we weren't able to recruit was because the food and drink sector isn't perceived as a glamorous role and that was also flagged at business leaders I'm going to keep bringing up business leaders it's a wonderful plug um and I think the individual that described it um (laughs) he said you know it's it's seen as a sort of damp stinky environment you know you go home and your hands smell of onions um but as they said you know everyone in that room loves it we love it and it just needs a bit of rebranding really um also what was interesting was and I'm going to get on to the point of pay here because I did say it was a nice segue so 28% said schools don't promote what we were talking about 23% said industry needs to actually be more proactive in promoting it and then we also had another option and um, a lot of people commented underneath the poll and the comments that we saw were mostly related to pay so we had 12% of people putting um, other as an option and They were saying it's because it's a low-paid role. So very interesting, you know. um, Obviously, we need to do something about that. Hmm. But the issue is, if you increase the pay, um, you know, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, you will obviously see an increase in food prices. Um, I mean, from all accounts, we are seeing increases in food prices anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's... You know, we all know that food and drink is a very tight margin industry. You know, you have to count every penny where you can because, you know, producing anything is it's such a very tight margin to do so. Mm. And, you know, there could be an argument there to um, have, you know, we can't pay you more because we can't, you know, it's just not feasible for us. But at the same time, sort of in a position where where else do you go because if you there is no staff to do this mm-hmm. what other option do you have well i guess automation is has been touted as one of the the, the biggest new things to look at i say new obviously automation has been around for years but it, the, the as was also talked about in business at business leaders the startup cost and the um and also the um, the words will come to you. Uh, case scenarios, no. Um, and, use cases and use cases. Um, there being not enough use cases out there, um, it, you know, the cost is, is is exceptionally high. Which obviously, if you're worried about food prices, well, that's definitely a huge cost in comparison to training a couple new recruits or paying them a little bit extra. Mm. And um, there's just not enough use cases. People are intimidated by the idea of automation because there's not enough cases out there to say that it has worked well. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, what, what camp do you want to fall into? Do you want to take the risk and pay more money or pay that little bit extra to hire someone? It's, you know, it's, it's all checks and balances, which way is going to, at the end of the day, get you what you need. Yeah, absolutely. And even if we do see automation coming, you know, more into food production, that doesn't mean we won't need humans. We'll just need humans to potentially take on different roles Mm. which which, you know maybe that will seem an uptick in in other roles because you know it it then becomes perhaps more um more technical different skill sets Mm. and 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 it opens up a, a new audience so let's go back to the topic of gaming um 
so we heard from um you know skills miner about how they were using minecraft what what was your sort of opinion after that interview do you think this could be a good solution to encourage young people you know, new recruits into the industry i um i definitely think that it's it's definitely the way forward or a way forward for encouraging younger people to even consider the industry um at the end of the day obviously minecraft is and you know, for this use case it's the, the way that they've chosen to uh, present that it is through minecraft which is a well-recognized game um, you know, you, you're almost tricked into playing it because you're, and I don't mean that. <laughs> we in fooled a, you. Well, I don't mean that in a in a sinister or mean way, but the kids are playing Minecraft, a game that they know and love, that they play at home. You know, it's kind of going, oh, we could. It's it's like being told. You know, I mean, for me, when I was a child, going onto the computers at, at, during you know IT lessons was great because it it was something that you enjoyed because computers were new and you can do stuff that. It doesn't. It didn't feel like work. It felt like play, mm. and that obviously this directly translates to that. They're learning things, but they're not really realizing because they may be thinking to themselves, "Oh, I'm playing a game. Isn't this great?" Yeah. But then they come away from it going, "But actually, I've learned something afterwards, and I want to go back and and play some more, and then ultimately learn some more." Um, and I think that works really well with Minecraft because, as I say, it's an established brand that they already recognize. Um, would that work? through just um you know i'm going to play it's a it's a strange thing because for younger children i think that presenting it in this way is definitely a way forward but when for example you're 16 to 18 years old and you know you're thinking about either leaving school or taking the apprenticeship or you know what, what you're going to do next with your career I don't think that age of people are looking at Minecraft to be their stepping stone to learn more about what career they want to go into. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're already, they're, what they're thinking of is things like, well, that's great, but how much am I getting paid? And, mm. and things like that. And trying to glamorize it through a video game doesn't really work for them because, and I, I mean, I can't speak for myself because yeah, that was a long time ago um, but you know for my younger siblings um, when they were that sort of age and looking at careers and, and choices and things like that um, they were bombed past the stage of playing games like Minecraft or similar games like um, uh, Roblox is a very similar style of game where you can create games within it so there is potential there that you could create a, a factory game or something like that mm. Um, and I don't think at that sort of age that they are looking towards games as being a way for them to discover things or or using games or, or even playing games that much because there's so many pressures of exams and money and, and all those sort of things that um, I don't think that games are, are suited for the sort of school leavers. Mm. Definitely primary school and then sort of young teenage, sort of up to maybe 15 years old. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, it's it's a great tool for for getting that seed planted in their head that yeah. food and drink is a career they can go into. Yeah. Um, but if it's already at the point where they're looking for a career, I think it may just be a little bit too late for them that, yeah. you know, video games might not be the way forward. But like I say, younger ages, definitely, definitely. I completely agree with you. And so it, it just looks like 
would the sector would have to deploy different tactics for older people what those are i don't know hmm. <laughs> we'll leave that to someone else to to devise um i think that using something like minecraft as you said that's a well like a, a well-known name hmm. and they're obviously they're kind of using that as a springboard I don't know whether or not creating a, an original game would work as well. Perhaps, perhaps it would. Well, it's a strange thing to say because... Um, not a strange thing to say, per se. Um, so, obviously, Minecraft is, it has been used as a tool. It's been used as a sandbox for which you can then place your own game into, hence Skills Miner. And, you know, it's not just... They've also worked, um, as they've mentioned as well, they've worked in other areas that they yes they have um, they've worked in aerospace they you know one of their previous games that they made was all about um, building a plane mm. uh, and it, all these steps involved you know the engineering steps and all the and in past engineering and the, you know other sort of um, skills within that industry that you would need to know um, so but there are simulator games out there for anything you can imagine there's a farming simulator which is literally you running a farm mm. um there's a, st- a street cleaner simulator where no you, there's not where you run how t- you know you run a street cleaner and you go about your daily business cleaning streets and do you know if i look up and i find one for hoovering chia seeds i'm gonna i'm you wouldn't be far off wow. but, i mean i mean um, one of the most famous ones is train simulator um, which is literally a digital version of running the train networks all over the world and, and flight simulators. So there there are lots of different simulators for things. And there's even games which are sp- um, specifically about running factories. Mm. Um, but I'd say they're more of a niche, though. I'd say that, yes. you know, it's only if you've got an actual interest in that, you wouldn't... Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. Um when people are looking for video games, they are looking for AAA titles. They are looking for their Call of Duties and their, you know, new God of War game, um, the Last of Us video games. Those are the sort of things that they're looking for. Um, it's not necessarily that they're looking for the latest simulator game out there. Mm. Not unless it becomes, um, you know, a topic on the internet. Sometimes things like Farming Simulator have gained a lot of traction back in sort of 2012, 20, you know, 2012, 2013, because a lot of you know jokes and things were made about the game back then. But as a general rule, it's not going to be your average gamer's go-to to learn about the food and drink industry, at yeah. least. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I want to come back to that point. Um, but first of all, I just want to talk a bit about gamifying and that audience again. We've obviously said, you know, we think that it would work for younger audiences. But what about people that are already in the sector? Do you think gamifying is a good way to upskill? Because retention and also, as we said, you know, there's new things coming to play in the industry, you know, automation. We are going to start seeing kind of new roles developed and people within the sector having to develop new skills. Do you think gamification is the answer to that as well? Well, we heard from uh, one delegate uh, at the Business Leaders Forum um, that they themselves had, um, they in their business, they've been gamifying certain tasks uh, to greater incentivize um, you know, their members of staff to do stuff, um, to do tasks inside the factory. Because um, you know, sometimes they think to themselves, "I don't really want to do this. Um, you know, it's not high on my list of priorities. I'd rather do something else." 
But when you gamify and you give them a, a task, a goal, perhaps even a reward for completing that task, a goal, in a way that, you know, it presents itself as a game, as a sort of, uh, to a point of a better word, a quest for them to complete. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, they, they, then they they're, they're sort of the, the spark of imagination starts sparks in their head. They think, well, actually, I've got a reason. I feel like I've got more of a reason to do this thing. Mm. So I think, I mean, I, I I would say personally myself that yeah, if somebody gave me uh, and is you know, not just an incentive, but a way that I could measure and and uh, sort of do a task in a way that doesn't make it feel like a task. Um, you know, I'd be more incentivized to do that. Are you asking me to gamify food manufacture news? Absolutely. You need a reward system. Yeah. Uh, a season pass and, yep. and, and, and points to earn. Okay. And prizes to win. Yeah, a way, way to level up or yeah. something. Okay, I'll, I'll work on it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Com- completely will work. Start that straight away. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the point because, um, one solution an attendee uh business leaders were so obsessed aren't we with business mm-hmm. leaders but there was such great insight there um one one solution that they gave to entice young people was to utilize an influencer on a platform like instagram or tiktok and i thought that was such a great idea um you know if you see influencers as you as you said you know someone playing farmer simulator and then people will go oh that's interesting mm. i'm going to start doing that equally if you hear an influencer talking about food production you're going to be more inclined to investigate that what i want to know is what that would look like and who would be the influencer oh good lord i mean it, it... Obviously, if we're talking about younger people, it's going to have to be somebody closer to their age. I mean, it brings me back to the, um, yeah, one of the, I don't know how popular it is, I haven't got a metric for it, but one of the popular shows on TV was, um, in, oh, and still is, is Inside the Factory. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that's traditional television. It's, it's presenting it as a, a show rather than, uh, you know, a short form video on something like, um, TikTok or Instagram. But who's to say that there isn't a younger celebrity who has got ties to the food and drink world? Um, you know, we've got plenty of chefs and, and you know, celebrity chefs of a younger age that could fill that role. And that could, you know, be doing things like, you know, I'm, I'm at a factory, I'm looking at this, that and the other. Um, that, you know, that could spark that bit of imagination within them. Uh, whether or not they'll be doing dances in front of food factories or you know or uh funny gestures in front of uh you know the packaging line i can't say if that's what it would look like but there's definitely an opportunity there that's not being capitalized on mm, absolutely i think it would be really really interesting and you know my door is open to become that influencer <laughs> okay you know i think i'm turning the page there i apologize um, we, we do this completely off script, don't we, Gwen? Absolutely. <laughs> completely, off the, completely off the cuff. Um, I think we've had a really interesting discussion today. I think the interview that you did was, you know, really insightful, some really good takeaways there. And, you know, whether or not we'll see, uh, uh an influencer come to the fore, you know, I think that's a really exciting avenue. Um, so all that's left to say really is thank you for listening (laughs) and if you enjoyed this episode why not give us a like and a subscribe and if this struck a real chord with you let us know your thoughts on gamification in the food and drink you know sector 
let us know what you think could entice people. Maybe there's another solution. Um, you know, we really want to hear from you. But until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.